Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Well, it's uh, lovely to be here with you uh, again. Uh, my name's Andy, as I said. Uh, I lead the Heaton site of, of CCM. Uh, I used to be, I mean, I was talking to Stuart, I used to, like, many years ago, I used to, used to be here. Um, but yeah, lots changed since then. But it's so good to be, to be back with you here this morning. Uh, I want to just share whenever something happens to me. When I was 17, so 20 years ago when I was 17, uh, I was at our church youth group, and it was a Sunday night, and they brought along a speaker, um, and I grew up in Northern Ireland, so this guy was a guy from Belfast, came to our church youth group, and he was a barrister, a Christian barrister, and he basically presented the case for the resurrection. So he basically did this, almost like a case, like he was in court, all the evidence that Jesus, that he saw, all the evidence for Jesus rising from the dead and being the Son of God and being the Messiah, and he basically just explained all this. And I remember there sitting there as he did all that. And he got to the end of his presentation. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is all true. This is real, this. You know, and like hairs standing on the back of my neck. I'm like, and my initial thought was I better not swear because God's real. It means he can see me right now. Like, I, you know, I better be careful what I do. But I was just like, wow, this is real, this is true. I'd grown up in church. I'd heard lots of stuff. I'd heard all that. But that was the first time when I was just like, whoa, this is real. And I think what happened at that moment was God like revealed the gospel to my heart. So I'd heard it loads of times before and I'm like, meh, but God like he, he, he opened my heart so I could receive it. I'm like, yes, this is it. And honestly, I was different from then on. There were things from then on that I just didn't have the same desire to do anymore. You know, going to get drunk, I just like, I don't, really, I don't really want to do that anymore. You know, also some of my friends, you know, I was like, ah, I'm just not sure I want to hang out with you anymore. Like those jokes you used to say that I used to find funny, they're not that funny. It was just, there was something subtly started to change. There was also things I started to want to do that I didn't want to do before. Um, I, wanted, I started to want to hang out with other Christians. Before then I was like, yeah, Christian, I'm hang out with them. Oh, they're boring. But I was like, no, I'm interested. I want to hear their story. I want to hear what makes them tick. And then I also had this desire to go to church. Up to that point, my parents had dragged me along to church, and now I'm like, oh, no, I actually want to go, and I want to listen, and I don't want to sleep in the sermon. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This helps me, and, and I wanted to share my faith. I wanted to, like, I want to explain to other people what's happened to me here, and I think the reason all these things happened was because God revealed the gospel into my heart in a, in a real way, and that's what I want to talk about today. The gospel is revealed by God. When, we, when the gospel impacts our heart, it's something that God does. He like, kind of opens the doors of our hearts so we can hear it and be like, whoa, this is real. This is true. This affects my life. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But before we do, I just want to pray really quickly that God would um, help us listen this morning. So I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, would you move amongst us today? Would you move amongst us as we listen to your word taught? And, uh, yeah, would you open our hearts to this message this morning? Amen. Amen. So uh, I used to be a youth worker, and I remember 
asking some of the young people that came along to our youth group, some of them were Christians, some of them weren't, I said, we'll ask them one time, what is the gospel? And I got like a range of answers. Some of them, a lot of them was to do with like, you know, a type of music. Um, some of them was like, oh, something to do with the Bible, something to do with church, something to do with this. And I, Jesus, a few people from said Jesus, because that's like the right answer for every question in church. Uh, but I got a whole range of answers. But I just thought, what I want to do, and I, have, I never do this, start a sermon with a big definition. But I just thought, what I want to do is just define what the gospel is, right? And I'm not going to dilute it. I'm not going to give you the short answer. I'm not going to give the palatable answer. I'm going to give you the, the full-on answer, all right? So what is the gospel? It'll appear behind me. I'm going to read it, all right? You ready? Full-on version of the gospel, all right? The gospel is the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Bible says all human beings everywhere are in revolt against God and therefore under his judgment. But although God stands over us in judgment because of our sin, quite amazingly, he also stands over us in love because he is that kind of God. Love that bit. And the gospel is the good news of what God in love has done in Jesus Christ, especially in Jesus' cross and resurrection, to deal with our sin and to reconcile us to himself, bring us together to him. Christ bore our sin on the cross. He bore the penalty, turned aside God's judgment, God's wrath from us, and canceled sin. The brokenness of our lives he restores, the shattered relationships he rebuilds in the context of the church, the new life that we human beings find in Christ is granted out of the sheer grace of God. It is received by faith as we repent of our sins and turn to Jesus. We confess him as Lord and bow to him joyfully. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what God has done in Jesus Christ. The undiluted version, the unshortened version, it's all there, okay? That's the gospel. That's the center of what we believe as Christians. And that's what God revealed to me 20 years ago when I was 17. So I believe this morning, we'll come back to that. I believe this morning is the second in your new series, Gospel Freedom. Is that right? Yes. Beth is nodding. She preached the first one last week, so she knows. Yes. Um, where you're going through the book of Galatians. So obviously the book of Galatians in the Bible was a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in an area of what's now modern day Turkey known as Galatia. So it's not too far actually from where the earthquake was, where these people would have lived. And Paul had spent some time in this area of Galatia. He preached the gospel, that message I just told you. Lots of people listened. They were like, yes, we believe this. We want in. They got saved. They became Christians and some churches started. And then Paul, as he normally does, was he moved on to another region and he shared the gospel and planted some other churches. Now, what happened after Paul left was some other people came in and they, they found out these Christians and they were like, so, uh, yeah, what's all this teaching? What's Paul taught you? And they basically explained the gospel, what was on the screen behind me. Yeah, Paul taught us the gospel. It's great. We're Christians now. We're followers of God. And they're like, oh, interesting. Well, is that all he taught you? I was like, yeah, that's all he taught us. He said, that's all we need. Is it? well, there's some other things you need to know as well. I was like, is there? I think Paul might have forgotten a few things from his message. Did he? Yeah. Well, it's not surprising these people are like, well, because like Paul, I mean, he does talk a little rubbish sometimes, you know, and they start bad-mouthing Paul and be like, yeah, I mean, he's not really all he's cut up to be. I know you think loads of them, but a few home truths about Paul here, all right? They said, you don't want to listen to Paul, all right? Listen to us. We know the full deal, right? You've got half of it. We can give you the full message. And they're like, all oh, right, okay. The Galatians were like, 
yes, good, give us, give us everything. We want, we want the undiluted version. Give us all the stuff. And they're like, right. So these people were like, okay, well, what you need to do, gospel's all right, but there's a few extra things you need to do. You also need to obey, you need to go observe all the feast days, the Jewish feast days. These were all these like big feast days where you'd have, and you'd take a day off work, and you'd, have to have a big, and you'd celebrate a certain thing from the Old Testament. So the Galatians are like, well, all right, that sounds good. Yeah, feasting, like that, right? Put that down, we'll do that. And then they were like, well, what you also need to do is you need to get circumcised. Well, the guys do anyway. And they're like, all right, okay, well, sounds, sounds a bit painful, but we'll have a go. If that's what we need to do to be right with God and be God's followers, we're in. Okay. And then they're like, and there's also, there's a bunch of extra laws that you need to do. There's like hundreds of them. You need to follow these laws as well. You can't just set them aside and just believe the gospel. You need to follow all these laws as well. All right, right, okay, we'll give you a list of these laws. Yeah, we'll give you a list of these laws. They write down a list of laws. All right, okay, so these days, certain extra laws. All right, all right, and then they're like, okay, so if you do all of these things, then you can be a follower of God. It's like, right, we've got to, we've got to work hard on this. Right, let's get going. So that's basically what happened. They, they received the gospel, became Christians, and then they added loads of stuff. And the reality was, after they added all the stuff, they weren't actually following the gospel anymore. They were just following a bunch of rules. Now, Paul finds out about this, and he responds with this absolute stinger of a letter called Galatians. Now, if you want it, Galatians is not a very British letter, okay? Okay, understandable. It wasn't written by a British person to a British person, so there's nothing British about it, but it's not very polite. There's no pleases and thank yous in it, right? And also, of all of Paul's letters, if you read them in the Bible, what Paul always does is he always starts out with a positive. You know, we do that, right? You're going to give someone a bit of advice, especially if it's negative advice. You start out with a positive, you know? Um, and he always does that, even with the Corinthians. And I mean, they were messed up as a church, right? Paul starts with a positive. Oh, I give thanks for you, Corinthians, the grace that you received. It's great. And then he gets stuck into them, right? The Galatians, Paul was so peeved at the Galatians, he didn't even do the positive bit at the start. He just got stuck straight in. So you get like, I think it's verse four, I think. You can have a look. Paul just gets straight in and he's just like, I'm astonished. That's how he starts. I'm astonished that you've deserted the gospel of God and have turned to a different message. I mean, yeah, straight in. I know you kind of, you looked at that last week when Beth looked at um, verses one to nine of chapter one. So he's basically like, what have you done? That's what last, that's what chapter, the first nine verses of chapter one is about. This week, the bit we're going to look at this morning is chapter one, verses 10 to 24. So the rest of chapter one. And what Paul tries to get across to them this week after, you know, in the first nine verses being like, what on earth have you done? Is he tries to tell them, look, this gospel that you've departed from, you do know, I didn't make this up, you know? I didn't, you know, I didn't make this up, drink a bit too much coffee, be a bit imaginative one time and make this up. You're not, inve you're not, you're not rejecting my message. No, he says to them, this is from God. You're, you're rejecting God's message. So he's trying to show them the seriousness of what they've done. So let's read Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 to 24. It'll appear on the screen behind me, um, or you can follow along in your Bibles. Let's read it together. Paul says this to the Galatians. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. 
Rather, I received it by the revelation from Jesus Christ. That's key. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Then I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas or Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Now you might read that and think, okay, why is Paul so intent on sharing his, you know, where he's traveled to and what he's done and the places he's been to and sharing his scratch map basically. Oh yeah, I've been here, I've been there, I've done this, all this. Well, there's a reason for it and we'll explain. But Basically, I want us to just take two things from this this morning about the gospel. First thing I want us to see from this passage this morning is the gospel is not of human origin, okay? It's from God. And the second thing I want us to see this morning is because it's from God, it has the power to transform lives. Can you give me an amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Beth. Give me an amen. Amen, Amen, everyone. Yes. Amen. Just a subtle way for preachers to wake everyone up. Just so you know. All right? Yeah, it's not super spiritual, right? So first point, the gospel is not of human origin. It's from God. Now, I don't know what your favorite song is. One of my favorite songs, you probably may not have heard it. It's called Creed, and it's by Third Day and Brandon Heath. They do a version of it, which I just love. And basically, what they do is they sing the Apostles' Creed, which is an, an ancient statement of faith. And what they do is they just, they sing what they believe. Uh, the, the song is basically, the lyrics are like, I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. I believe he's sitting at the right hand of God. I believe he will return to judge the world. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the church. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in life that never ends. And when I'm feeling a bit down or a bit low, sometimes I listen to that. And I'm just like, yes, I believe that stuff too. Come on, God. And then they have this refrain that they just repeat the whole way through the song, like six times or something, and it goes like this. I believe what I believe is what makes me who I am. I did not make it. No, it is making me. It is the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. And that just makes me go, yes, I didn't make it. It's from God. And that's true. The gospel is not of human origin. Nobody invented it. No one imagined it. No one came up with it. It's from God. It is from God. Now, I want you to think, if you're a Christian here today, I want you to think of how you came to believe in Jesus. What was it that led to that? Now, I imagine there were probably some people involved. You know, somebody somewhere shared something with you about Jesus or about God or about the Bible or helped to explain something to you, and that led to you becoming a Christian. For me, it was, I heard the gospel from my church, from people in my church, from my youth group, from my parents. There were numbers of people who told me stuff about the gospel. What Paul is saying in this passage is, not so with me. 
Nobody shared the gospel with me. No person shared the gospel with me. It came straight from Jesus himself. Now, what a testimony that is, you know? Testimony time. Well, Jesus appeared for me, the risen Jesus, explained the whole thing, and I got saved. I mean, that is the testimony of the Old Testament. No people involved. It's just me and Jesus hanging out. Yeah, I'm saved. I'm... That's basically what Paul said. Because if you know the story of Paul, he persecuted Christians. He, he helped to kill them. That's what he did. It's called Saul then. Then he's on the way to Damascus. You can read about it in Acts 9. Jesus, the risen Jesus, appears to him in all the splendor and light. And is basically like, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's a bit like, well, I'm persecuting people. But Jesus like, no, you're persecuting me. And he's like, who is this? And, and Jesus replies, I am the one you're persecuting. Now get up, go to the city, and I'm going to tell you what to do. Okay, now that's what Jesus says to Paul when he appears to him in Acts chapter 9. Now, interestingly, when Paul says, Jesus revealed the gospel to me. You might be thinking, if you read Acts 9, it's like, well, he hasn't exactly read out that PowerPoint you just showed us, Andy, has he? You know, he hasn't really spoken too much about the gospel. Well, the reality is, if you, if you go and share your faith with someone from on the streets of Manchester today, the likelihood is they have so little understanding of God, Christianity, the Bible, or anything that you have to start so far back in your conversation with them, right? On the other hand, if you want to share your faith with a Jewish person who has really studied and understands the Old Testament, the part of the Bible that Jews believe, you actually don't have to explain very much at all. All a Jewish person who understands the Old Testament and has studied it, all they need to know, and Paul was this, Paul had studied the Old Testament intensely. All a Jewish person who studied the Old Testament needs to know is Jesus is alive. Because when they know that, they're like, if he's alive, that means he rose. If he rose, that means he's the Messiah. If he's the Messiah, he's the promised Messiah that we have been waiting for forever. They read the Old Testament, everything makes sense. Everything falls into place. So Jesus actually didn't have to explain very much to Paul. All Jesus had to do was show him, I am alive. And when Jesus appeared, appeared in his risen, resurrected self, in all his splendor and glory, before Paul had said, I'm here, I'm alive, Paul's like, I get it, I get it. And that's all he needed to know. Now, why is Paul telling the Galatians all this? Why is he so bothered to be like, the gospel comes from God, like I didn't hear it from someone else, I got it straight from God. Why is he telling that? Because he wants them to know that the gospel he preached to them is not of human origin, okay? He didn't make it up. He's like, I didn't make this up. This is from God. You reject this gospel. You're not rejecting me. This isn't Paul's message. This is God's message. You're rejecting God. He wants them to see the gravity of what they're doing. And then, as we've seen, he kind of shares his travel journal, you know, for the last 14 years in this passage. He basically shares... After he got saved, after he got converted, he, he basically spends the next 14 years preaching the gospel. And apart from a super short trip to Jerusalem for 15 days where he met Peter and James, he didn't talk to any of the disciples in those 15 years. And what he's saying was, like, you'd expect someone who gets saved, receives the gospel, they'll go to the disciples and check it out. It's like, we believe in the same thing, we preach in the same thing. He didn't do that at all. And the reason he's telling them this is because he wants them to know the gospel he preached to them wasn't taught to him by someone else. It came straight from God. That's what he wants them to know. 
And that's important for us to remember. The gospel is God's revelation. Now, most of us have heard about the gospel through other people, friends, uh, family members, work colleagues. I don't know what your story is, but it's still so important for us to remember that the gospel isn't something that some dude came up with, you know, someone just decided, I know what I'll do, I'm going to religion. It's not that. It's something that has come from God himself, and he has delivered it to us. So the gospel is the good news of what God has done in who? Jesus. Always the right answer in church, isn't it? Yes. All human beings everywhere are in revolt against God and therefore under his judgment. But although God stands over us in judgment because of our sin, quite amazingly, he also stands over us in love because that is the kind, that, because he is that kind of God. And the gospel is the good news of what God has done in love in who? Jesus. You're getting it. Especially in whose cross and resurrection? Jesus. To deal with whose sin? Messed you up there. Yeah, you thought it was Jesus. Jesus doesn't sin. No, it's us. Yeah. And to reconcile us to himself. Jesus bore our sin on the cross. Sorry, Christ. He bore the penalty. Turned aside God's judgment. God's wrath from us and canceled sin. The brokenness of our lives he restores. The shattered relationships he rebuilds in the context of the church. The new life that we human beings find in Christ is granted out of the sheer grace of who? God. Yes, someone's on it. Everyone else was just about to say Jesus. It is received by faith as we repent of our sins and turn to who? Yes, we're all back. We confess him as Lord and bow to him joyfully. So that's the gospel right there again, okay? Definition twice. We've talked it through twice. It's, it's right there. Now, just to say, if you're ever sharing your faith with your friends, don't feel like you have to bring up the screenshot of this and, like, read it all out. You know, it is what we believe. It's not what we have to tell every time if we're sharing our faith. You can tell little bits of it. You know, it's, it's not. But it's so important that we're clear about exactly what the gospel is, about what we believe. And it's so important that we don't add anything to it because that's what the Galatians did. They added a bunch of stuff to make sure they were in. They added a bunch of stuff because to, to, they thought it would make sure they were in God's club. They would be one of God's followers. Now, we can look at that and think, man, well, that's not a temptation I have, you know, to to add circumcision to the list of things I do to get right with God. Like, I'm not going to do that or, or add all these laws. But the reality is we do often do the same things, okay? Now, I was going to say hands up who reads their Bible every day, but that could be like really kind of... I'd say lots of us read our Bible every day as Christians. You know, you might have those Bible reading notes. You get out, you have a quiet time, 10, 15 minutes, you read, you pray, Right? Now, for those of you who do that, which I'm not asking, for those of you who do that, do you ever miss a day? Yes. Everyone's honest, all right? Some of you are like, no, I never miss a day. We all miss a day, right? I don't feel like me. When I read my Bible, I'm like, I've read it five, week, five days in a row, bossing-wise. Um, you know, I've got loads from it. And I'm like, oh, that's great, you know. And then I miss a day. Like, the kids wake up early, they scream, they shout, I don't get the time to do it before I go to work. And I'm like, oh, I missed a day. I'm, I feel a bit guilty. Do you ever feel a bit like, oh, does God, maybe I've disappointed God a bit there, really. I should, 
there's that, just little low level of guilt. Well, I'm like, oh, but I'll, I'll make sure I'm up early tomorrow. Get, get the next meal. Move on. I don't want to fall too far behind. What we subtly can do, and I've found this, is when you feel guilty about having missed a day or, or, or not reading your Bible, what, you, what you're subtly doing is you've added something to the gospel. You've added something to the thing that makes you right with God. Sort of thinking, oh, well, if I do this, God's going to be pleased with me. He's going to be happy with me. He's going to love me a bit more. And what have we done? Like, none of us would ever verbalize that. But in our, in our hearts, it's often what we do. We take good things, read our Bible for all good, and we turn them into things that we think make us right with God. And that is adding things to the gospel. And, and, then, and that leads to, to just us feeling awful about ourselves. That leads to having a faith that's all about guilt and all about the stuff I haven't done and all about the things I've messed up. And all about, but that's not the gospel. The gospel brings freedom. It doesn't add stuff. So adding stuff, we shouldn't do that to the gospel because it messes it up and it messes up what it does for us. So I just want to say it here. God's okay if you miss a day. Okay, all Bible reading, right? If you miss two, well, I, you know, uh, but is it okay if you miss two? But it's just, we got to get that. So it's important we don't add anything to the gospel. It's also important we don't take anything away from it. Now, you know, some people, what they do is they can, they can bring that thing up, get a red pen out, and be like, ah, I'll be honest, Andy, I don't like the whole idea of God being a judge. It doesn't sit well with me. I'm just going to scribble that bit out. We're all sinful. I mean, really, like, how, I mean, I'm all right. Like, I'm not the worst. You kind of, all right, let's just scribble out sin. And what happens is you end up just scribbling out all the bits you don't like. I mean, I heard someone over the weekend say, say to my wife, she was like, oh, yeah, um, uh, like, when did you become a Christian? Asked her when did you become a Christian. Oh, I've always been a Christian. My parents are Christian. And basically what she'd just done, she'd scribbled out the last line of the fact that we need to, you know, we get this through faith and by repenting. She's, oh, no, I've always been. And what happens is we can go through and we could subconsciously just scribble out bits of the gospel that we don't like. But the reality is what you, what you have when you do that is not the gospel. It's just a set of beliefs that you like. And that's not the gospel. That's like, that's like, that's the good news of a fun message according to Andy or according to Beth, okay? That's not the gospel. Actually, the fact that there are things in the gospel that you're maybe not that comfortable with, but you accept and believe anyway, is a good sign. It means you're probably actually believing the gospel. It's a good sign. So we shouldn't add anything to it. We shouldn't take anything away from it. Because when we try to change it, when we add things or we take things away from it, what happens is it loses its transformative power. It loses some of the potency that it has to bring change. So I just want to ask real quick, not show of hands and don't shout out at me, okay? This is not one of those, all right? So just keep it to yourself. I'll just get a few moments. But for you, think about yourself. Are there ways that you have maybe added to the gospel? Are there ways that you've maybe taken away from it? And just, just take a few moments and just be honest with yourself. And yeah, if there, if there are some things, I just want to encourage you to maybe to seek someone for some prayer afterwards to think about that, to not leave without, without dealing with that. Okay, so that's the first thing. So the gospel is not of human origin. It is from God. Second thing, 
because the gospel is from God, it has the power to transform lives. I don't know, who was at the baptism service last Saturday? You were definitely there, Merlin. Yes, because you got baptized. Yes, a few of us were there, I think. I was there. I was sitting in the front row with my six-year-old son, Max, who's still a little bit confused about what's going on, right? So we're there, um, Merlin, and then there's two of the ladies, uh, one of them is Sharon. They all shared their testimonies. And I got to the final testimony, this lady called Sharon, and she's just sharing how, like, God saved her, the awful life she's had, and God has just come in and rescued her and saved her and all the amazing things God's done. And like, I've got tears in my eyes. Everybody else is like, oh my goodness, this is, I've got tears in their eyes. And, and, she, and then Sharon, Alicia, she starts to cry as well. And my six-year-old son's sitting next to me and he's front, like he's there, right? He's sitting right in the front row. And he turns to me, he looks up, you're crying, daddy. Why are you crying? Why is she crying? Why is everybody crying? And, uh, and, you know, and like he doesn't whisper either, you know. This poor lady at the front crying her eyes out. He's like, oh, shut up the toddler, please. Come on. Everyone wants to just hear. What I wanted to say was, Max, this is the power of the gospel in transforming lives. It's not what I said, though. I just said, actually, be quiet. I'll talk to you later, okay? Um, but that's what was happening, though. That is what happened. The gospel brings transformation in a way that nothing else can. Whenever I... I used to be a youth worker, and um, I took our, our young people to this youth camp uh, many years ago. And one of the things they did was they got everyone, they got this Bible verse, and they got everyone to wrap the Bible verse. <laughs> Every morning, we had to wrap it. So we had to pretend we had a microphone, do the whole kind of thing. And everybody, they got everybody. To, now, it sounds really awful, but everyone quite enjoyed it. And, like, the reality was 10 years ago, I can still wrap that memory verse like it is is um yeah so i'm gonna do it right well see <laughs> see see at my site there are people who police me against doing this stuff like they kind of like shake their head condescending no andy don't do it but none of them are here so who cares right um right so it's romans 116 right so i'm gonna do it i'm gonna i'm gonna pretend right now i can't sing i can't rap i can't do anything okay I should turn the recorder off, right? <laughs> when I go like this, then you say, so I'm going to do Romans 116. I'm going to say Romans. You're going to say Romans. I'm going to say Romans. You're going to say Romans. I'm going to say Romans. You're going to say Romans. I'm going to say 116. You're going to say 116. Can we do that? Yeah. Right. All right. But I'll do the first bit, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I should move that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Romans. 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 And you do this a long time. Romans. Romans. 116. Perfect. Give yourselves a round of applause, okay? And don't tell anyone I did that, especially not Tim, because he will mock me senselessly, okay? But it's true, though. The gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God for salvation. And it is powerful. It is incredibly powerful. The gospel has the power to transform on the big scale and the small scale. Big scale, we've seen in the passage, like Paul, well, it was called Saul, persecuted believers, like he killed Christians. He went from killing Christians to being one, not just being one, writing half the books in the New Testament of the Bible, spreading Christianity across large parts of Asia and Europe, and eventually getting killed for his faith. I mean, that is massive transformation, isn't it? That's what the gospel does. 
But the gospel doesn't just transform on the big scale, you know. Someone who's been really far from God gets saved and completely changes their life. It also changes us on a, on a smaller, often slower scale as well. Smaller things in our, our lives get changed as well. The gospel, it frees us from feeling like we have to do stuff to make God love us. It frees us from being like, oh, I've got to read my Bible to make God love it love me. I've got to go to church to make God love you. I've got to do all this. Now, gospel frees us from that. No, he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. He's died in the cross for you. He loves you. You don't have to do anything. He loves you. The gospel frees us from having to impress other people. You know, we, we live to impress other people, live to look good for other people. Verse 10 of our passage, Paul says that he's no longer trying to win people's approval. That's something that gospel has done in his life. We don't need to win people's approval because God approves of us. God loves us. God's died for us. We don't have to chase after that approval. The gospel also frees us from worrying about the future. What about the future? God's died for you. Of course, he's going to look after you. He's given his life for you. He's going to look after your future. He's got it in his hands. The gospel also, and we don't hear this much, the gospel helps us to relax. Yeah, relax. God's got it. He sorted it. The gospel helps us to sleep at night. Gospel helps us to be happy. Gospel helps us to be content. That's what the gospel does. It's not just something we use to get saved. It's something that helps us as a believer. So how does the gospel bring about that kind of transformation in our lives as believers? Well, what we do is we preach it to ourselves. We talk to ourselves about the gospel. We remind ourselves about it. We sing songs about it. You know, I sing songs about the gospel when I'm washing the dishes. We mull it over. We we think about it. And also what we do, and it's something I do, is we apply it to our hearts when situations arise. On Wednesday there, I went for a walk with a friend of mine along the Mersey River. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's quite nice. We're walking along, and these two cyclists come kind of flying past us. Didn't have a, didn't have a bell, didn't ding or anything, just fling past us. And one of them went so close that he actually knocked my friend's arm. And I kind of went, oh, gosh. And I looked at these two cyclists going past says to my friend, I bet you those bikes are stolen. Look at them too, dressed in the, dressed in the Manchester gangster outfit. They're Nike Air Maxes, they're black tracky bottoms, and they're, they're North Face, their North Face jacket, you know. It's what all the gangsters in Manchester wear, isn't it? Like, North Face really should be saying that, shouldn't they? Like, look at them with their plastic bag on the bike, smoking weed, right? They're going to their drug dealer or they're going to, like, rob someone. Look at them. Look at them. They're, look, they're dressed like 15-year-olds and they're actually 40. Look at, them. look at those two guys. So I said that to my friend. And my friend, he's a Christian. He was like, man, Andy, that's a lot of judgment in one sentence, you know. That's a lot of judgment right there. You fitted an awful lot in there. I was like, yeah. And I said to him, I was like, yeah, gospel's still got some work to do, hasn't it? He says, yeah, it does. Still got some work to do. And it was good. It was not like we're good friends. You can say that kind of stuff. I wasn't offended at all. But I was thinking about it in the way home. I go, that's true, though. When, like, I thought about it. And I thought about those guys in light of the gospel. I was like, yeah, God loves those guys. God wants those guys to be saved. You know, who knows what their background is? Who knows the brokenness is there? God wants those guys. When Jesus came to this earth, he probably would have hung around with those guys before he'd have hung around with me. He'd have probably gone to their house. He'd those are the kind of guys probably would have been his disciples and followers. You know, I was like, ah. Oh. And as I thought about that, as I applied the gospel to the situation I was in, man, it, it warmed my heart. And 
It went from a heart of judgmentalism to these guys to a heart of compassion for them, a heart of, like, oh, my heart breaks for you. That's what the gospel does. It's, it's taking and applying it to situations in our lives. And for me, another way I apply it is whenever I get jealous or anxious or annoyed about something, what I do is I take that to, to the gospel and I basically say something like this, Jesus has died for me so I don't have to, um, whatever, dot, dot, dot. Okay, so if I, you know, I was at someone's house yesterday and like, they've got a really nice garden. I was like, oh, your garden's a bit better than mine. I was a bit jealous. And I just was like, Jesus died for me so I don't have to worry about how good my garden is or if I've got more than someone else. Stuff doesn't even matter, really. You look at the gospel, it doesn't, does it? I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. He's done really well in business. He has a PA. He has a PA, right? I was like, I don't have a PA. <laughs> I'd like a PA, you know? And, like, and, and there's a, like, almost jealousy, a little bit of like, oh. And I'm like, Jesus died, so I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. No matter if I PA or not. I quite like answering my emails anyway. But you see, and I just apply that Jesus died, so I don't got to be worried about that. I remember we, st- we planted a, a site um, of CCM, CCM was Lady Barn, back in 2014. Someone else in the city planted another church at the same time. I remember a while back finding out that their church was bigger than my church. And I was like, oh. And then I just applied, like, Jesus died. I don't worry about that, what everybody else is doing. And it's great. There's more churches being planted. I applied it to my heart. So when those situations come where you get anxious or annoyed or jealous, Use them as opportunities to draw you to God, draw you into the gospel. So I just want to ask, just we're almost done. In what ways, another thing, just take a few moments to answer this. In what ways has the gospel already transformed you? Just think. Think about back to when you became a Christian. What ways has the gospel already transformed you? What are some of the things you do or don't do now that you didn't before? Second question, what do you want to see more? Where do you want to see more transformation in your life through the gospel? So just as we come to land, um, just to, to summarize, the gospel is revealed by who? God, yes, revealed by God. It's his good news to us of what he has done in Jesus Christ. So it's not just some nice ideas that some dude has come up with that we can change. No, it's God's good news for us. And it transforms lives like nothing else. Why you're here, it transforms lives like nothing else. One verse to finish. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. We, and we all who with unveiled faces, so the veil is taken away, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, when we see him, when we see the Lord, when we see him in all his glory and what he has done, it transforms us. It does. When we see him, like, ah, it transforms us like nothing else. It makes us happier. It makes us more content. It makes us sleep better. It makes us more relaxed. That's what the gospel does when we see that in all its glory. So my question off the back of that verse is, are, is there, are there things that have veiled your face? Are there things that have come over your eyes and stopped you seeing the gospel, seeing God for who he really is? 
And if there is, my prayer is that this morning that veil would be removed. And that, I mean, there's no big application for this preach. The application for this preach is just to bask in what God has done. Just to enjoy it. Just to be like, yes. There's no kind of go do 10 things. It's just enjoy. Enjoy. 